Section thirty of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume seven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume seven by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section 30 When it was the seven hundred and twenty-fourth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the old woman said to the princess, Suppose thou had told this to the king, and he had ordered the merchants to be hanged. Would not folk have seen them? and have asked the cause of the execution, when the answer would have been, they sought to seduce the king's daughter. Then they would have dispread diverse reports concerning thee, some saying, She abode with them ten days, away from her palace, till they had taken their fill of her, and other, some in other guise, for woman's honour, O oh my lady, is like ordered milk, the least dust fouleth it, and like glass, which, if it be cracked, may not be mended. So beware of telling thy sire, or any other of this matter, lest thy fair name be smirched, O mistress mine. For twill never profit thee to tell folk aught, no, never. Weigh what I say with thy keen wit, and if thou find it not just, do whatso thou will. The princess pondered her words, and seeing them to be altogether profitable and right, said, Thou speakest sooth, O my nurse. But anger had blinded my judgment. Quoth the old woman, Thy resolve to tell no one is pleasing to the Almighty. But something remaineth to be done. We must not let the shamelessness of yonder vile dog of a merchant pass without notice. Write him a letter, and say to him, O vilest of traders, but that I found the king my father absent, I had straightway commanded to hang thee and all thy neighbours. But thou shalt gain nothing by this, for I swear to thee, by Allah the Most High, that an thou return to the like of this talk, I will blot out the trace of thee from the face of the earth. And deal thou roughly with him in words, so shalt thou discourage him in this attempt, and arouse him from his heedlessness. And will these words cause him to abstain from his offending? asked the princess. And the old woman answered, How should he not abstain? Besides, I will talk with him, and tell him what hath passed. So the princess called for ink-case and paper, and wrote these couplets. To win our favours, still thy hopes are bent, and still to win thy will art confident. Nought save his prideful aim shall slay a man, and he by us shall die of his intent. Thou art no lord of might, no chief of men, nabob or prince or soldan heaven sent. And were this deed of one who is our peer, he had returned with hair for fear widespread. Yet will I deign once more to excuse thy sin, so from this time thou prove thee penitent. 
Then she gave the missive to the old woman, saying, O my nurse, do thou admonish this puppy, lest I be forced to cut off his head, and sin on his account. Replied the old woman, By Allah, O my lady, I will not leave him aside to turn on. Then she returned to the youth, and when salams had been exchanged, she gave him the letter. He read it, and shook his head, saying, Verily we are Allah's, and unto him shall we return, adding, O my mother, what shall I do? My fortitude faileth me, and my patience palleth upon me. She replied, O my son, be long-suffering, peradventure after this Alice shall bring somewhat to pass. Write that which is in thy mind, and I will fetch thee an answer. And be of good cheer, and keep thine eyes cool and clear, for needs must I bring about union between thee and her, Inshallah. He blessed her, and wrote to the princess a note containing these couplets. Since none will lend my love a helping hand, And I by passion's bale in death low lane, I bear a flaming fire within my heart, By day and night, nor place of rest attain. How cease to hope in thee, my wishes term, Or with my longings to be glad and fain? The Lord of highest heaven to grant my prayer, Pray I, whom love of lady fair hath slain. And as I'm clean or thrown by love and fear, To grant me speedy union, Dain, O Dain. Then he folded the scroll, and gave it to the old woman, Bringing at the same time a purse of four hundred dinars. She took the whole, and returning to the palace, Sought the princess, to whom she gave the letter, but the king's daughter refused to take it, and cried, What is this? replied the old woman, O oh, my lady, this is only the answer to the letter that thou sentest to that merchant dog. Quoth Hayat al-Nufus, Didst thou forbid him, as I told thee? And quoth she, Yes, and this is his reply. So the princess took the letter and read it to the end. Then she turned to the old woman and exclaimed, where is the result of thy promise? O oh, my lady, saith he not in his letter that he repenteth, and will not again offend, excusing himself for the past? Not so, by Allah, on the contrary, he increaseth. O oh, my lady, write him a letter, and thou shalt presently see what I will do with him. There needeth nor letter nor answer. I must have a letter that I may rebuke him roughly, and cut off his hopes. Thou canst do that without a letter. I cannot do it without the letter. So Hyatal Nufus called for pen-case and paper, and wrote these verses. Long have I chid thee, but my chiding hindereth thee not. How often would my verse with writ o hand ensnare thee, ah! Then keep thy passion hidden deep, and ever unrevealed, and if thou dare gainsay me, earth shall no more bear thee, ah! And if despite my warning thou dost to such words return, death's messenger shall go his rounds, and dead declare thee, ah! 
soon shall the world's fierce chilling blast o'erblow that course of thine and birds of the wild with ravening bills and beaks shall tear thee ah return to righteous course perchance that same will profit thee if bent on wilful aims and lewd i fain forswear thee ah when she had made an end of her writing this she cast the writ from her hand in wrath and the old woman picked it up and went with it to adashia when he read it to the last he knew that she had not softened to him but only redoubled in rage against him and that he would never win to meet her so he bethought himself to write her an answer invoking allah's help against her thereupon he indicted these couplets o lord by the five shakes i pray deliver me from love which gars me bear such grief and misery thou knowest what i bear for passion's fiery flame what stress of sickness for that merciless maid i dree she hath no pity on the pangs to me decreed how long and weakly white shall last her tyranny i am distraught for her with passing agonies and find no friend o folk to hear my plaint and plea how long when night hath drooped her pinions o'er the world shall i lament in public as in privacy for love of you i cannot find forgetfulness and how forget when patience taketh wings to flee o thou wild parting bird say she is safe and sure from shift and change of time and the world's cruelty then he folded the scroll and gave it to the old woman adding a purse of five hundred dinars and she took it and carried it to the princess who read it to the end and learnt its purport then casting it from her hand she cried tell me o wicked old woman the cause of all that hath befallen me from thee and from thy cunning and thine advocacy of him so that thou hast made me write letter after letter and thou ceasest not to carry messages going and coming between us twain till thou hast brought about a correspondence and a connection thou leavest not to say i will ensure thee against his mischief and cut off from thee his speech but thou speakest not thus save only to the true intent that i may continue to write thee letters and thou to fetch and carry between us evening and morning till thou ruin my repute woe to thee ho eunuchs seize her then hyat al nufus commanded them to beat her and they lashed her till her whole body flowed with blood and she fainted away whereupon the king's daughter caused her slave-women to drag her forth by the feet and cast her without the palace and bade one of them stand by her head till she recovered and say to her the princess hath sworn an oath that thou shalt never return to and re-enter the palace the princess hath sworn an oath that thou shalt never return to and re-enter this palace and she hath commanded to slay thee without mercy and thou dare return hither so when she came to herself the damsel told her what the king's daughter said and she answered hearkening and obedience presently 
the slave-girls fetched a basket and a porter whom they caused to carry her to her own house and they sent after her a physician bidding him tend her assiduously till she recovered he did what he was told to do and as soon as she was whole she mounted and rode to the shop of ardashir who was concerned with sore concern for her absence and was longing for news of her as soon as he saw her he sprang up and coming to meet her saluted her then he noticed that she was weak and ailing so he questioned her of her case and she told him of all that had befallen her from her nursling when he heard this he found it grievous and smote hand upon hand saying by allah o my mother that this hath betided thee straighteneth my heart but what o my mother is the reason of the princess's hatred to men replied the old woman thou must know o my son that she hath a beautiful garden than which there is naught goodlier on earth's face and it chanced that she lay there one night in the joyance of sleep she dreamt a dream and twas this that she went down into the garden where she saw a fowler set up his net and strew corn thereabout after which he withdrew and sat down afar off to await what game should fall into it ere an hour had passed the birds flocked to pick up the corn and a male pigeon fell into the net and struggled in it whereat all the others took fright and fled from him his mate was amongst them but she returned to him after the shortest delay and coming up to the net sought out the mesh wherein his foot was entangled and ceased not to peck at it with her bill till she severed it and released her husband with whom she flew away all this while the fowler sat dozing and when he awoke he looked at the net and found it spoilt so he mended it and strewed fresh grain then withdrew to a distance and sat down to watch it again the birds soon returned and began to pick up the corn and among the rest the pair of pigeons presently the she-pigeon fell into the net and struggled to get free whereupon all the other birds flew away and her mate whom she had saved fled with the rest and did not return to her meantime sleep had again overcome the fowler and when he awoke after long slumbering he saw the she-pigeon caught in the net so he went up to her and freeing her feet from the meshes cut her throat the princess startled by the dream awoke troubled and said thus do men with women for women have pity on men and throw away their lives for them when they are in difficulties but if the lord decree against a woman and she fall into calamity her male deserteth her and rescueth her not and wasted is that which she did with him of kindness allah curse her who putteth her trust in men for they ill requite the fair offices which women do them and from that day she conceived an hatred to men said the king's son o oh, my mother doth she never go out into the highways and the old woman replied 
Nay, O my son, but I will tell thee somewhat wherein, Allah willing, there shall be profit for thee. She hath a garden which is of the goodliest pleasances of the age, and every year, at the time of the opening of the fruits, she goeth thither, and taketh her pleasure therein only one day, nor layeth night but in her pavilion. She entereth the garden by the private wicket of the palace, which leadeth thereto. And thou must know that it wanteth now but a month to the time of her going forth. So take my advice, and hie thee this very day to the keeper of that garden, and make acquaintance with him, and gain his good graces. For he admitteth not one of Allah's creatures into the garth, because of its communication with the princess's palace. I will let thee know two days beforehand of the day fixed for her coming forth, when do thou repair to the garden, as of thy word, and make shift to-night there. When the king's daughter cometh, be thou hidden in some place or other. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the seven hundred and twenty-fifth night, she pursued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the old woman charged the king's son, saying, I will let thee know two days beforehand of the king's daughter going down to the garden. Do thou hide thee in some place or other, and, when thou espiest her, come forth and show thyself to her. When she seeth thee, she will fall in love with thee, for thou art fair to look upon, and love covereth all things. So keep thine eyes cool and clear. And be of good cheer, O my son, for needs must I bring about union between thee and her. The young prince kissed her hand, and thanked her, and gave her three pieces of Alexandrian silk, and three of satin of various colours. And with each piece, linen for shifts, and stuff for trousers, and a kerchief for the turban, and fine white cotton cloth of baalbac for the linings, so as to make her six complete suits, each handsomer than its sister. Moreover, he gave her a purse containing six hundred gold pieces, and said to her, This is for the tailoring. She took the whole, and said to him, O oh, my son, art thou not pleased to acquaint me with thine abiding place? And I also will show thee the way to my lodging. Yes, answered he, and sent a marbleuk with her, to note her home, and show her his own house. Then he rose, and bidding his slaves shut the shop, went back to the wazir, to whom he related all that had passed between him and the old woman, from first to last. Quoth the minister, O oh my son, should the princess Hyatalnufus come out, and look upon thee, and thou find no favour with her, what wilt thou do? Quoth Ardashia, There will be nothing left but to pass from words to deeds, and risk my life with her. For I will snatch her up from amongst her attendants, and set her behind me on a swift horse, and make for the wildest of the world. If I escape, I shall have won my wish, and if I perish, I shall be at rest from this hateful life. Rejoined the minister, O oh my son, 
dost thou think to do this thing and live? How shall we make our escape, seeing that our country is far distant? And how wilt thou deal thus with a king of the kings of the age, who hath under his hand an hundred thousand horse? Nor can we be sure, but that he will dispatch some of his troops to cut off our way. Verily there is no good in this project which no wise man would attempt. Astadashia, and how then shall we do, O wazir of good counsel? For unless I win her, I am a dead man without a chance. The minister answered, Wait till tomorrow, when we will visit this garden, and note its condition, and see what betideth us with the caretaker. So when the morning morrowed, they took a thousand dinars in a poke, and repairing to the garden, found it compassed about with high walls and strong, rich in trees, and rillful leaves and goodly fruiteries. And indeed its flowers breathed perfume, and its birds warbled amid the bloom, as if it were a garden of the gardens of paradise. Within the door sat a sheikh, an old man on a stone bench, and they saluted him. When he saw them, and noted the fairness of their favour, he rose to his feet after returning their salute, and said, O my lords, perchance thee have a wish, which we may have the honour of satisfying? Replied the wazir, Know, O elder, that we are strangers, and the heat hath overcome us. Our lodging is afar off at the other end of the city. So we desire of thy courtesy that thou take these two dinars and buy us somewhat of provant, and open us meanwhile the door of this flower garden, and seat us in some shaded place, where there is cold water, that we may cool ourselves there, against thy return with the provision, when we will eat, and thou with us, and then, rested and refreshed, we shall wend our ways. So saying, he pulled out of his pouch a couple of dinars, and put them into the keeper's hand. Now this caretaker was a man aged threescore and ten, who had never in all his life possessed so much money. So when he saw the two dinars in his hand, he was like to fly for joy, and rising forthwith, opened the garden gate to the prince and the wazir, and made them enter and sit down under a wide-spreading, fruit-laden, shade-affording tree, saying, Sit ye here, and go no further into the garden. For it hath a privy door communicating with the palace of the princess Hyatal Nufus. They replied, We will not stir hence. Whereupon he went out to buy what they had ordered, and returned after a while with a porter bearing on his head a roasted lamb and bread. They ate and drank together, and talked a while till presently the wazir, looking about him in all corners right and left, caught sight of a lofty pavilion at the farther end of the garden. But it was old, and the plaster was peeled from its walls, and its buttresses were broken down. So he said to the garden, O Sheikh, is this garden thine own, or dost thou hire it? And he replied, I am neither owner nor tenant of the garden, only its caretaker. Asked the minister, and what is thy wage? Whereupon the old man answered, A dinar a month. 
and quoth the wazir, Verily they wrong thee, especially an thou have a family. Quoth the elder, By Allah, O my lord, I have eight children, and I— The wazir broke in. There is no majesty, and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. Thou makest me bear thy grief, my poor fellow. What wouldst thou say of him, who should do thee a good turn on account of this family of thine? Replied the old man, O my lord, whatsoever good thou dost shall be garnered up for thee with God the Most High. Thereupon said the wazir, O sheikh, thou knowest this garden of thine to be a goodly place, but the pavilion yonder is old and ruinous. Now I mean to repair it, and stucco it anew, and paint it handsomely, so that it will be the finest thing in the garth. And when the owner comes and finds the pavilion restored and beautified, he will not fail to question thee concerning it. Then thou dost say, O oh my lord, at great expense I set it in repair, for that I saw it in ruins, and none could make use of it, nor could any one sit therein. If he says, Whence hadst thou money for this? Reply, I spent of my own money upon the stucco, thereby thinking to whiten my face with thee, and hoping for thy bounties. And needs must he recompense thee fairly, over the extent of thine expenses. Tomorrow I will bring builders and plasterers and painters to repair this pavilion, and will give thee what I promised thee. Then he pulled out of his poke a purse of five hundred dinars, and gave it to the gardener, saying, Take these gold pieces, and expend them upon thy family, and let them pray for me and my son. Thereupon the prince asked the wazir, What is the meaning of this? And he answered, Thou shalt presently see the issue thereof. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the seven hundred and twenty-sixth night, she resumed, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the wazir gave five hundred ducats to the old gardener, saying, Take these gold pieces, and expend them upon thy family, and let them pray for this my son. The old man looked at the gold, and his wits fled. So he fell down at the wazir's feet, kissing them, and invoking blessings on him and his son. And when they went away, he said to them, I shall expect you to-morrow, for by Allah Almighty there must be no parting between us, night or day. Next morning the wazir went to the prince's shop, and sent for the syndic of the builders. Then he carried him and his men to the garth, where the gardener rejoiced in their sight. He gave them the price of rations, and what was needful to the work, men for the restoration of the pavilion, and they repaired it, and stuccoed it, and decorated it. Then said the minister to the painters, Hark ye, my masters, listen to my words, and apprehend my wish and my aim. Know that I have a garden like this, where I was sleeping one night among the nights, and saw in a dream a fowler set up nets, and sprinkle corn thereabout. The birds flocked to pick up the grain, 
and a cock-bird fell into the net, whereupon the others took fright and flew away, and among the rest his mate. But after a while she returned alone and picked at the mesh that held his feet, till she set him free and they flew away together. Now the fowler had fallen asleep, and when he awoke he found the net empty. So he mended it, and strewing fresh grains sat down afar off, waiting for game to fall into that snare. Presently the birds assembled again to pick up the grains, and among the rest the two pigeons. By and by the hen-bird fell into the net, when all the other birds took fright at her, and flew away, and her husband flew with them, and did not return. Whereupon the fowler came up, and taking the quarry, cut her throat. Now when her mate flew away with the others, a bird of raven seized him, and slew him, and ate his flesh, and drank his blood. And I would have you portray me the presentment of this my dream, even as I have related it to you, in the liveliest colours, laying the fair scene in this rare garden, with its walls, and trees, and rills, and dwell especially on the fowler and the falcon. If ye do this, I have set forth to you, and the work please me, I will give thee what shall gladden your hearts over and above your wage. The painters, hearing these words, applied themselves with all diligence to do what he required of them, and wrought it out in masterly style. And when they had made an end of the work, they showed it to the wazir, who, seeing his so-called dream set forth as it was, was pleased, and thanked them and rewarded them munificently. Presently the prince came in, according to his custom, and entered the pavilion, unweeting what the wazir had done. So when he saw the portraiture of the fowler and the birds, and the net, and beheld the male pigeon in the clutches of the hawk which had slain him, and was drinking his blood and eating his flesh, his understanding was confounded, and he returned to the minister and said, O wazir of good counsel, I have seen this day a marvel which, were it graven with needle-gravers on the eye-corners, would be a warner to whoso will be warned. Asked the minister, And what is that, O my lord? And the prince answered, Did I not tell thee of the dream the princess had, and how it was the cause of her hatred for men? Yes, replied the wazir. And Ardashir rejoined, By Allah, O minister, I have seen the whole dream portrayed in painting, as I had eyed it with mine own eyes. But I found therein a circumstance which was hidden from the princess, so that she saw it not, and tis upon this that I rely for the winning of my wish. Quoth the wazir, And what is that, O my son? And quoth the prince, I saw that when the male bird flew away, and, leaving his mate entangled in the net, failed to return and save her, a falcon pounced on him, and slaying him, ate his flesh, and drank his blood. Would to heaven the princess had seen the whole of the dream, and beheld the cause of his failure to return and rescue her. Replied the wazir, By Allah, O auspicious king, this is indeed a rare thing and a wonderful. 
and the king's son ceased not to marvel at the picture and lament that the king's daughter had not beheld the dream to its end saying to himself would she had seen it to the last or might see the whole over again though but in the imbroglio of sleep then quoth the wazir to him thou saidst to me why wilt thou repair the pavilion and i replied thou shalt presently see the issue thereof and behold now its issue thou seest for it was i did this deed and bade the painters portray the princess's dream thus and paint the male bird in the pouches of the falcon which eateth his flesh and drinketh his blood so that when she cometh to the pavilion she will behold her dream depicted and see how the cock-pigeon was slain and excuse him and turn from her hate for men when the prince heard the wazir's words he kissed his hands and thanked him saying verily the like of thee is fit to be minister to the most mighty king and by allah and i win my wish and return to my sire rejoicing i will assuredly acquaint him with this that he may redouble in honouring thee and advance thee in dignity and hearken to thine every word so the wazir kissed his hand and they both went to the old gardener and said look at yonder pavilion and see how fine it is and he replied this is all of your happy thought then said they o elder when the owners of the palace questioned thee concerning the restoration of the pavilion say thou twas i did it of my own monies to the intent that there may betide thee fair favour and good fortune he said i hear and i obey and the prince continued to pay him frequent visits such was the case with the prince and the wazir but as regards hayat al-nufus when she ceased to receive the prince's letters and messages and when the old woman was absent from her she rejoiced with joy exceeding and concluded that the young man had returned to his own country one day there came to her a covered tray from her father so she uncovered it and finding therein fine fruits asked her waiting women is the season of these fruits come answered they yes thereupon she cried would we might make ready to take our pleasure in the flower garden and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say end of section thirty